There we go. <laughs> but they suffered an, an embarrassing defeat. God revealed to Joshua that there was sin in the camp of the Israel uh, of the Israelites. Disobedient actions caused the defeated AI. It was not a lack of skill, not the strength of the enemy, not a lack of strategy, not a lack of effort, but a lack of sacrifice that stopped the advance of God's army. It was sin that robbed the children of God of victory. And just as sin stopped Israel's advance into the promised land, it will silence the witness of those who follow Christ. Hypocrisy, shame, and a lack of purpose are not appealing to a lost soul because these are already items that they struggle with. They're looking for something different. They want to see in you and me something different. The unsaved person wants to hear a message of hope and that promises to deliver one from these vices that destroy lives. And I'm here to tell you that it's great news. God is the deliverer. God is the healer. And he has never gone out of that business. When you come to the cross in repentance and you fall before God, he will wipe away every sin. He will remove it as far as from the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Because that's the way he is. And so he wants you and he wants me. So he wants us to practice purity. And secondly, second principle I want you to see from Anna's life is that he wants us to pray consistently. When you look at this biographical account of Anna, it reveals that she was a prayer warrior. It says that she prayed night and day, our text does. Now, how do you pray night and day? You've got to have time to stop and eat and clean house and go shopping at the mall. You'd be better off praying all day long. But you know what I'm saying is that there was time. She spent time in prayer. She made time for prayer. There's time for you to do anything you want to do in your life. Amen? If you want to pray, there's time for you to pray. But if you don't have time for it, then you've got something else that's crowding it out. If you believe it's a priority, then you should make it a priority. When you have a heart attack, trust me, everything on your agenda changes drastically. Because when you're laying flat on your back in the hospital and you can't move, every, every appointment you had that week, all of a sudden it gets canceled. <laughs> every place you thought you was going to go gets rearranged. It's like that when you have a heart attack, if you live from it. So the thing is, if we find out what we need to do and the priorities that we need to do, we make them priority or we don't. Can I get an amen? If you believe soul winning's a, a priority, then you'll be a soul winner. If you believe prayers are a priority, then you'll be a prayer warrior. If you believe church attendance is a priority, you'll be at church. If you believe that raising your kids and having them at church is important and a priority, you'll have them here at church and be a priority to us. Can I get an amen? All right. You know, I like for you to talk back to me. I tend to preach longer when you talk back to me. Oh, actually, I actually preach shorter when you talk back to me. Yeah, now you'll really start talking, won't you? All right. Oh, the sincerity, Lord, of your people. A wise man of God has said, you will never tell people about Jesus until you tell Jesus about people. You'll never tell people about Jesus until you tell Jesus about people. Through prayer, the Bible says we gain wisdom in James 1, 5. The disciples received the Holy Spirit and power to witness while they were praying in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. Strongholds are torn down in prayer in 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. Doors are open through prayer, Colossians 3, 2 and 3. Boldness to advance wearing spiritual war, uh, armor is gained through prayer in Ephesians 6, verse 19. 
Anna prayed and God used her to tell others about Christ. She is an example to follow. Consider the example of the four men who brought their friend to Jesus. That's recorded in the book of Mark, chapter 2. When they arrived at the house, the crowd was already spilling into the street. So the guys climbed on the roof, tore open a hole, and they lowered their paralyzed friend down to Jesus. But don't miss the next point of this story. The Bible says that Jesus saw the faith of the friends who lowered the paralyzed man down through the roof. Jesus saw their faith. Not the one needing healing. He reached out to the man because of the faith of the other men. So perhaps someone will come to the Lord if you are faithful in your prayer to God about that lost person. Use your spiritual imagination as we think about that story and we think about prayer. I would ask you, where is Jesus now? Most of you would say, well, he's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. How can we get our unsaved friends into the presence of Jesus? Can we open the roof and lower them? No. But we can take them into that presence through prayer. We can get them there through prayer. And the Bible says the prayers of the saints of God come before his presence like incense upon an altar in Revelation 5 and verse 8. You may not be able to convince a lost friend to attend church. You may not be able to convince them to read the Gospel of John where they'll find the Lord or to listen to an evangelistic testimony. But you can pray for your friend before the throne of God. You can tear down thresholds and strongholds, open doors and ask for a harvest by lifting your unsaved friend into the presence of Christ through prayer. Look back at Anna's story, verse 38. Scripture says that she spoke to all who were looking for redemption. Underline that in your Bible. Underline that in your Bible. I can't prove it from the text, but I'm convinced that she told people for whom she had been praying. I'll bet you when people walked up to the temple, she said, Hey, you know what? I've been praying for you. Hey, I've been praying for you. Hey, I've been praying for you. Hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you find you. Boy, it sounds like a grandmother, doesn't it? Grandmothers are that way. As soon as you show up at Granny's house, what does she do? You going to church? Why not? How come? You're going to hell if you don't. Get with it, boy. Well, at least that was my grandmother. <laughs> yeah, I heard it a lot. She prayed and she prayed and she took us to the throne room of God. Is it any wonder that two out of the five ended up in the ministry? Is it any wonder that my grandmother took us to the throne room of God, calling on God to save our souls? Is it any wonder that two of the five of us, ornery boys in a Phillips household, Fillmore Street, Wichita Falls, Texas, ended up preaching the gospel to Christ? Well, you see, that's what happens when you take them to the throne room of God. Who are you praying for? Maybe you can't even name somebody. But are you praying for somebody that's lost? Do you have a name in your, in your mind, on your heart? You need to find that person. You need to find that name, and you need to begin to pray for them and pray for the lost and pray for their soul and pray for their heart to be converted to Christ. Practice purity, pray consistently, and then thirdly, we need to proclaim boldly. We need to pray consistently, but we also need to proclaim boldly. It's, the text says in Luke 2 there that she went up to them. You see that? Underline that in your Bible. Highlight it. She went up to them, and she spoke to others who were looking for redemption. She was constantly bringing the salvation message of Christ before them because, you see, there's an urgency to that message. 
There's an urgency to people finding Jesus. There's an urgency to the fact that we're going to die and go to hell if we're not saved. Amen? And there's an urgency to you and me sharing that message. And you and I must be about that business. Anna was more concerned about the Messiah than she was what people thought. Don't worry about what people think about you. Preach the word. Preach the word. Boldness is not being, uh, being crazy and going around uh, doing things off the wall and, and performing life-threatening uh, adventures. Holy boldness like Anna's is stepping out of a comfort zone by faith to share the, good, the great news and the good news of eternal life with those who need it and are ready to receive it. It's easy, it's sometimes easy to go to John 3.16 and be ready to proclaim Christ to the homeless. <coughs> For after all, they won't leave the room until they've heard Jesus because if they don't do that, they don't get fed. Well, there's some real excitement in their life. Russell told me he wanted me to go preach to them down there before we fed them. I said, all right. He said, pastor, he said, we set in on that last service. He said, that preacher was so dry and so boring, nobody would have come to the Lord. Well, so I, let's go down there. I'll turn me loose. I'll go after it. I'm not afraid of them. Who knows? We may save one or two of them. If we can just get one, it's been worth the effort. Amen. If we can just get two, it'd be really worth the effort. And you never know what one or two on the street can do for the cause of Christ. But we'll never know if we don't ever say anything. I'm, wait, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It don't come down until I get... I, I need a little more. Oh, oh, oh. oh, you hear him, Lord? You hear him? Come on, move to him now. Move to him. Through holy boldness, we keep sharing because we refuse to be intimidated by darkness, ridicule, or a callous heart because lost people have a callous heart. Somebody's hurt them somewhere down the road. Some preacher said something. Somebody at church did something. Boy, they'll never darken the doors of a church again. It's okay for the women to do, but I don't need to do it. I'm a man. I don't need to go down there to that church house over there. Yeah, but I tell you, on their dying bed, who are they calling? They're calling the preacher, aren't they? So why don't you spend time at the church house and you won't have to call on the preacher when you die? You can just open your arms and say, Jesus, here I am. <laughs> Glory, hallelujah. What one, one woman say, where she, she put in her will, she said, uh, no, no men are going to be my pallbearer. She said, they wouldn't take me out this, in this life. I'm not going to let them carry me out into the next. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's why the Lord stopped making the call. Here we go. Proclaim boldly. Number four, persevere patiently. You cannot read this story without noticing the emphasis on Anna's age. That's what gripped me about this story. Some translations say that uh, she was a widow for 84 years after seven years of marriage. If she was 14 when she married, which was customary, she would have been 105 years old. Other translations like the New International Version indicate that she was 84, but the point is that the text says that she was very old. People who say they're in their 80s and 90s, they don't, they don't have anything to give anymore. Not true. You, of all people, can become the prayer warriors that God can use in a church like this. We need you. We need you. I asked Brother Ralph to go out and help us out at the camp. He's 92 years old. He didn't even hesitate. He said, okay, I'll go. He said, I can't do much. I said, Ralph, I've got a chair. I want to set you on the chair, and you be the supervisor. He said, now, I can handle that job. 
But you see, he's forgotten more about the stuff we're going to do than most of us will ever know. So I want his knowledge out there. Amen? I want him out there. I've watched him eat sandwiches too, man. He can go at it. I want him out there. I want to sit next to him and learn how to supervise. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> what? Easy now, easy. My, what a crowd. They turn on you in a heartbeat in this place. Widowhood. It's a very difficult. And in the first century, it was extremely difficult. She was probably facing, she would have faced poverty. She would have had a tough time. In fact, the Apostle Paul instructed those young widows to remarry. The first deacons in the church were given and chosen the assignment, uh, I should say, that were chosen. They were given the assignment of, of taking care of those widows in their distress. Because you see, when you're a widow, especially in the first century, you had a, long, a, a hard time. Widows today have a hard time. If their husbands didn't leave them with good life insurance to take care of all the bills, they're, they're stuck like Chuck, folks. And the church ought to be sensitive to that. And we ought to be looking at our widows, and we ought to be reaching out to help them in any way we can. If they need their grass mowed, go mow it. Well, they want it mowed in a certain way, and I just don't have time for that. Come on. Make time. Make time. You see what I'm saying, folks? If we really care about this, if we really want to get involved in this, then we're going to adopt this into our lives. But she persevered patiently. Notice in our text that Anna makes her greatest contribution at her weakest condition. You persevere by doing what you can where you are with what you are. Charlotte Grove, some of you remember that name. Charlotte Grove in her 80s. Never will forget visiting with her. She said, Preacher, I just don't have any usefulness anymore. I used to play the organ at church. I used to teach Sunday school at church. And now I'm old and I can't get around. I can't see. I can't hear. I just can't do anything anymore. I said, Charlotte, stop that stinking thinking. You need to check up from the neck up, and today's your day. I said, Charlotte, you can pray. She said, well, yeah, I can pray. I said, then here's, here's and I listed, well, I just wrote down on a piece of paper, ten things I wanted her to start praying. I said, and I was at the top. I said, would you pray for me? Pray for a spiritual covering? Would you pray for a spiritual anointing? Would you pray for a spiritual protection around me, your pastor? Because when I study the God's word, that, that the spirit will illuminate me and will talk to me and will share with me, so I can in turn share with you. And she began to pray for that. And I never will forget the day that she slipped from this life to the other to be with Jesus. She did it with a joy in her heart. Because every time we visited from then, she would talk about, what else you got me praying for? What else you got? She wanted me to send her. I'd, I'd, I'd call her and I'd give her a prayer list and I'd give her names and I'd give her things to pray for. She began to pray for the lost. Oh, man, what a joy it was. And I miss her. I miss having her here. But a major lesson from Anna's life is not to let age or any other barrier prevents you from making a significant contribution to the kingdom of God. Just don't let it happen. Don't let it happen. We've got people in our church that have lost their spouses, and it's difficult. It is difficult when you've been married for as many years as many of them have, and that spouse is gone. It changes everything. The house looks different. You remember them. I never will forget Geneva told me, she said, Brother Harold, I need to get rid of Brother Dudley's clothes. I said, that's great. I'll go help you do that. She said, but I'm keeping this, this one hat. I said, why? She said, because it smells like you. She said, i got to smell him every now and then. Hey, praise God. That's a precious memory, amen? Precious memory. Those are precious, and we need to hang on to those. But I'm telling you, the joy that she finds now is in serving others. She's gotten outside herself and started serving others. Does she have rough days? Absolutely. I've had so many people say, boy, she's, she's a rock. She's a rock. 
I've watched her curled up in the corner. She's not a rock. She's only walking with Jesus. That's her rock. That's her rock. Because one day she's going to see that old Dudley again. She's going to see him with a head full of hair and dancing. Glory to God. Glory. <laughs> Glory to God. He'll be waiting at the gate. Say, where you been, Mama? Where you been? Amen. Talking to a dear friend, Charlie. Lost his wife four months ago. And Charlie and I have been just having a great conversation. I told Charlie. I said, Charlie Francis is going to be waiting at the gate. She got some stuff to show you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He said, but I'm hurting right now. I said, I know. But, but the hurt won't be anything when you get over there. He said, 56 years, preacher. It's not right. I said, no, it's not right. That's why we need to beat the devil up. Because it's the devil that brought death into this world. It wasn't Jesus. Jesus gave us hope beyond death. <laughs> so the joy is I get to go see her again. I'm ready to see Francis. I'm going to have a word with her. <laughs> so you could have worked Charlie over a lot more than you did. I'll tell you right now. No, it won't matter, will it? Because we're going to be with the Lord. Can you imagine Dudley, Dudley Pondville with a head full of hair? Glory to God. <laughs> I'm moving on right here. We're going to conclude this morning. Glory to God. Point is, folks, persevere. Persevere. Doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter where you are. Do you see what she did? She's an old woman later in life, and she never shut up about sharing Jesus. Because, you see, that's our hope, is it not? That's the glory. A pastor by the name of Paul Powell tells a tremendous story about a member of his church who was dying, and on his last visit, Dr. Powell prayed for God to give this man boldness as he prepared to go through the valley of the shadow of death. This man told Dr. Powell, he said, Pastor, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm ashamed to die. I know I must go empty-handed because I have not witnessed for Christ. Well, folks, Anna spent her final days on earth telling others about Christ. I would ask you this question. How are you going to spend your life? Father, we ask you this morning as we prepare to share an invitation time with each other. That, Father, we would find be found faithful. That, Father, you will find in each of us desiring hearts. That you'll find in each of us willing hearts. That you'll find in each of us repentant. Father, would we understand that it's not age that's important. It's purity, consistency, perseverance, and faithfulness that you honor. Thank you for this brief glimpse at this wonderful servant, Anna. Thank you, Father, that she consistently shared the good news with those who would listen, and even those who wouldn't. Thank you that she prayed daily fasted before you. And Father, I just pray that people in this room this morning will catch a glimpse of your love for them. Father, do you love them with an everlasting love? Do you love them in such a way that you want them? You want fellowship with them. And Father, you don't even care how bad we've been. You don't even care what sin we've done. You just want us to come home. I'm so grateful for that story of the prodigal son in Scripture who took it all and ran away and gave it all away, squandered everything he had. 
And as he looked up from the pits with the pigs, he thought, maybe I've got a better chance at home. So as he was walking home, the dad was on the porch, just like you are, pacing back and forth on that porch, looking down the road, hoping to see us coming home. And God, when he saw his son, the Bible says he bolted off of that porch and he ran down the road and he grabbed that son and he said, the son that was lost is found. Oh God, would you help us to find in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a decision to make, would you as we stand and sing together today? The city.